change us in, in ways that only you can. So it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. You guys can grab a seat. And if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Tanner Brack. I'm the student pastor here at Gospel City. And um, hello if I haven't met you. And I get to bring our sermon this morning because Mark is in Austin getting to spend some time with his family and visit his daughter who is at the University of Texas. And so I know he's celebrating hard as a Longhorns fan in Austin today. Um, But I'm excited this morning um, because we have been in this storyline series all year long. That if you've been with us since January, or even if you joined us at any point throughout this year, like we've been walking through the Bible at a 30,000 foot view where in January, we started in Genesis and we've slowly made our way through the Old Testament. And then over the past couple weeks or past couple months, we've been in the New Testament And today we get to the point of the story where we see where everything changes. Because we've been walking through the storyline series to try to learn more about the Bible, where our hope is just to increase our knowledge of the characters and what the Bible is telling us, where hopefully we would learn that the whole Bible tells one unified story. And it's the story of God redeeming his people. And today we're looking at Jesus dying on the cross. We're looking at the crucifixion. Of Jesus, And so we'll be in, in Luke, not Genesis, that would be a very different passage, but we're going to be in Luke 23, and so if you want to turn there, we'll be there here in just a second. Um, but if you don't have a Bible, we'll also have it on the screens where you can follow along. But um, here's the temptation for us this morning, because if I know if I were in your shoes, there is a temptation for some of us, whether you've been in church uh, your whole life or just you're a little bit familiar with the churches. We hear that we're talking about the crucifixion, we're talking about the death of Jesus, and there's going to be this temptation for us to, to be like, I, I know that story, I know what he's going to say, I know everything about like the death of Jesus and what it means for us, and we can allow the familiarity of this story to help us to, bl- to be blinded by the significance of what the cross of Jesus does. So my hope this morning is to remind myself and to remind you that, the, that our hope in life and in death only comes from the cross. And so whether it's your millionth time hearing about the death of Jesus or your first time, our hopes that we would be reminded that we only have hope in life and in death through the cross of Jesus. And that's why we call it the gospel. Like we are gospel city church. We are like we just sang about the good news. Gospel literally means good news. And this is the good news that we get to celebrate. It's the death of Jesus on the cross. And so let's look at Luke 23. We're going to start in verse 33. We're going to read 14 verses and then make some observations from it. So Luke, Luke 23, it's the account of Jesus dying. He's, he's been arrested, he's been beaten, and he's on the way to the cross. And so Luke 23, verse 33, says this. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice above him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insult at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked the other criminal, saying, don't you fear God, he said, since we are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. And it was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was, born, was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. And the centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. So there's a lot going on in this passage that we, we could break down. We could break down the darkness that happens over the land. We could break down the veil being torn. We can talk about all the statements that Jesus says, but we're just going to make two quick observations about what the interaction with the two criminals says about us. And so the first thing that we're going to make, that we're going to see is like the, the, the three verses, chapter, or verse 39 and then 40 and 41 are, are just some short interactions with Jesus and the two criminals who are hanging to his right and his left. And the first thing that we see is that we deserve the cross. In verse 39, one of the criminals starts mocking Jesus, saying, save yourself, save us. Like, aren't you the Messiah, the one that was promised in the Old Testament to deliver God's people to save us? Like, like this is literally what you say. Like, this is why you're dying. You're the Messiah. You're supposed to save us. And then, like, so save yourself. And he's mocking Jesus. And then the other one says, says this, don't you fear God? Like, we're under the same sentence. And then verse 41, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man had done nothing wrong. And so we see in this interaction that like, I mean, this criminal who is dying next to Jesus sees that he deserved it. Like, and this is something that we understand because like we have something in our humanity that understands justice. That if something wrong happens, where somebody does something wrong, it deserves to be punished. Like, if somebody speeds past you, cuts you off, like, you're just hoping a cop's there to catch them, right? Like, we want justice when something's done wrong with us, especially if it's something that, that hurts someone else. Like, we want crimes to be paid for. We want this, this punishment. And this man sees that, like, he has guilt for whatever he's done. Like, his... Whatever he's being crucified and killed for, being punished for, isn't specified, but he understands that he deserves it. Like, he acknowledges that he has done something that deserves the cross, but Jesus hadn't. And, like, we get this. We understand that, that sin, that punishment, or that crimes need to be punished. But when it comes to our, ourselves spiritually, we try to, like, minimize, like, what we deserve. Like, we miss this spiritually. Like, we, we try to, at the very least, just minimize our sin. Like, we like to just think that, that, I mean, I'm not that bad. I just make mistakes. Like, we try to take the Hannah Montana, um, Miley Cyrus, like, theology that nobody's perfect. Like, we live and we learn. We just make mistakes. Like, nobody's perfect. But, but the reality is that, like, we can't minimize our sin. Like, even though we like to say, like, man... All right, I'm just telling a little white lie. Like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not going to hurt anybody. Or maybe we say, all right, I'm just looking at a picture on the internet. Like, it's not, it's gonna, it's not going to hurt somebody. Like, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Or maybe, like, we, we try to minimize the way we treat people by saying, man, I'm not actually a jerk. I don't treat people horribly. Like, it's just my personality. It's who I am. Like, people need to adjust. Like, like we try to minimize our sin. We want to justify what we do because we can't let ourselves believe that we're bad. Because if we do, then like, like we feel bad about ourselves. Like we, we, we don't want to believe that we're that bad. And if we try to minimize our sin, if we try to minimize what we do, 
then we fall into this thinking that Jesus came to make bad people good when that's not why Jesus came to the earth. Like Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Like Jesus came to save people who were dead in their sins. Like it's a concept taught all throughout the New Testament that if we read throughout different letters written to churches in the, in the New Testament, we see it. Like here, here are two verses that, that clearly state it. Like Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Like the payment of sin, like what you earn by your sin is death. And then Colossians 3.13, that you were dead in your sins. Even another one, Ephesians 2 that you might know, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Like sin kills us. Like sin is a big deal because it leads us to death. Like all sin leads us to death. And so we can't just minimize our sin. Like we are spiritually dead, separated from God because God is holy, he's perfect, he has no blemish. Like he's not like my white shoes where they're kind of white but a little bit of dirty. Like he is pure. Sin can't be in his presence because God is so holy and perfect and sin is against his nature. And because he is perfect, his justice demands that there has to be punishment for sin and that is death. So often we say here at Gospel City that Jesus lived a life that we could not live and died the death that we deserve. And we say that because we deserve the cross. Like our sin demands death. And like that, like that's why Jesus didn't come just to tell us to pull up our bootstraps and to do harder or to be better because we can't do it. We are dead in our sins. We're, we're drowned. Like we're not just drowning, needing somebody to throw us a life like preserver. Like we are already dead. And we need God to come and to save us. Like, like that's the bad news of the gospel, that, that we can't save ourselves, that we deserve the cross. And the thief on the cross realizes and acknowledges that he deserves death. And my question for us this morning, even if we have heard the gospel a million times, is like, do we realize that we deserve death? That's the bad news of the gospel that we have to come to an understanding first before we can get to the good news of the gospel. Because Jesus came to tell us that there's nothing else we can do to make things right. And the good news of the gospel is that on the cross, Jesus does what we cannot do. He deals with our sin. And so that's the second observation that we can make this morning. Is that on the cross, Jesus deals with our sin. Like that's the part that we know, right? Like, even if you are very new to church or you talk to somebody who doesn't even follow Jesus, like, they might be able to answer what we believe about why Jesus died. Like, if if I ask that question, why did Jesus die? Most of us are probably able to answer to forgive us of our sin. Like, we know this. Like, we understand. Like, that's the whole point of Jesus's death. Like, but we can't move past this. Like, this is the very basics of, of the Christian faith but we can't move past like this reality. Like this isn't a profound point. It's not eloquent or persuasive, but it's the power of God on the cross and Jesus paying for our sins that is our hope in life and death. Like it's this aspect of the cross of Jesus dealing with our sin that we need. Like we needed someone to deal with our sin because we can't do it ourselves. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it, it talks about like what the cross, what's happening on the cross. And it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Like this is what's happening on the cross. 
It's sometimes we call it the great exchange where Jesus takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. He gives us his perfection. Like we exchange what each other had. That Jesus gets our sin, we get his righteousness. Like, and he exchanges it for us. That's what's going on on the cross. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 is teaching us. That the God of heaven stepped down into earth, put on flesh, lived a perfect life, endured every temptation, every situation that you and I have walked through, and yet he does so without succumbing to sin. He does so without idolizing things of this world, without sinning. And he, in love, steps into our place as a substitution. The sinless dying in the place of the sinner. Like, that's, the, that's what's happening on the cross, is that Jesus steps in as our substitute, and he does this in love. Like, Jesus isn't on the cross in this story out of obligation. He's not on the cross in this story out of uh, begrudgingly. Like, in John ten eighteen, Jesus says, no one takes my life, for I lay it down willingly on my own accord. That Jesus willingly dies on the cross, and he is doing it because he loves us, and because the whole point of his redeeming nature is to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be with him in relationship. I mean, that's what's like wild about this story of all these people mocking Jesus of like, save yourself. Like, why are you on the cross if you're the Messiah? Like, save yourself. Like, Jesus could have if he wanted to. Like, Jesus on the cross could have at any moment stepped down, saved himself, no wounds on his, on his wrists or on his feet where he's nailed to the cross. Like, he could have come down. But Jesus in love stays on the cross to deal with our sins so that way we could have the forgiveness of sins. If Jesus does not die, we have no forgiveness. But because Jesus dies on the cross, he's taking the penalty that we deserve so that he can give us his righteousness. Jesus steps into our place as a substitute to pay for our sin. Like we call it substitutionary atonement, where there's a substitute who pays something that we owe. That there is a debt that we owe to God and Jesus pays for it. Like that's the good news of the gospel. That Jesus alone could deal with our sin because he alone was without sin. And all we have to do is believe in him. That through our faith and our, our, our trust in him, believing that God has reconciled sinners to him through his death and resurrection. Like that what's most wrong with us, our sin, has been dealt with by God. That our debt of sin has been paid for. The bill is is completely wiped clean, that we owe nothing. Like that's the good news of the gospel, that Jesus takes it all. He pays it all, not just some of it, not tells us to go clean up ourselves and then he'll do it. Jesus, while we are still sinners, died for us so that the penalty of our sin to pay the debt that we owed so that we could have hope in him. And it's our belief and our trust in that truth that saves us. That's how we have assurance that we are forgiven, and that we can have hope in God. Like, it's, it's our belief in Jesus that applies his work to, the, to, the sin, to, our, to our sin. And one of the criminals mocks Jesus while the other one sees that. And he, he, he tells Jesus, man, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Like, like, he acknowledges that Jesus is who he said he was. He acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah that was going to deliver the people. And he... He places his faith in him. And, and Jesus tells him, you'll be with me in paradise. Like he, he does nothing except place his faith in Jesus. And, 
And there's an incredible video that some of you may have seen that circulates often around Easter. It's from a pastor named Alistair Begg who, who talks about this moment of, of one of those criminals on the cross that it's by his faith that saves him. And rather than me do a terrible Scottish accent, um, we're, we're going to watch a two-minute and 30-second video where Alistair just explains what, what faith, like what, what this man is doing on the cross. And so let's watch this video. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, Because I am this. Because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person. Because he. Because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense... I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you 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 were cussing the guy out with your friend. You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, did Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor ranger. So, we just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? The guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, The man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. What a beautiful statement, right? The man on the middle cross said, I can come. So this morning, like, if if you're sitting there thinking, man, I don't know anything about the Bible. I've only been to church a couple of times. Like, man, I, I don't know what it means to follow Jesus. Like, there's hope for us. That the man on the middle cross said we can come. That that's our hope. That that's what we sing about this morning. That we rest in the finished work of Jesus dying on the cross to forgive us of our sins. Like that's the gospel, the good news that we don't do anything, but God did everything and it's by our faith and our trust in him that we are saved. And there's a hymn that says, before the the throne of God above, like this hymn says, 
Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That our sin has been paid for, that we are seen as if we've never been sin- as if we've never sinned before. Because when God looks at us, he sees Jesus and his perfection. So this morning, like, friends, we can't take our eyes off the cross. Tomorrow when we wake up and we go to work and there's that frustrating person that we work with, fix your eyes on the cross. When some disappointment happens in life and you don't know where to turn and fix your eyes on the cross because God is working to redeem this world because the world is not as it should be because of sin and God through the cross is dealing with sin that we have hope because of what Jesus has done on the cross, that, that our sin that we are struggling to fight and to overcome, the power of it has been broken, that we have power through the cross and the forgiveness of Jesus that we don't have to continue to, to give into it, but we are free by Jesus and what he's done, that we can live following God because of what the cross has done for us. So this morning, I mean, maybe you do follow Jesus, And don't forget what God has done for you. It's not about earning. It's not about doing. It's about resting in what God has done. Or maybe you're here this morning and you you wouldn't say that you follow Jesus or that you've ever placed your faith in Jesus. I would encourage you. And this morning, all it takes is acknowledging that you're a sinner and there's sin in your life that is separating you from God. And then you say, God, I wanna give you my life. I'm trusting you to give me your righteousness and to take my sin. And I would invite you to place your faith in him this morning so that when death comes, we do not pay the penalty of our own sin, but we live to God and the the death that he paid for us. So let me pray for us. Pray that we, as we leave this place, that we would just be reminded daily that the cross is our only hope. So God, you are good. You don't sin, you can't do evil, but you are good. And you are a loving God that though you didn't have to come and to deal with our sin, you chose to in love, that you looked at us and you cared for us and you loved us. God, we thank you that this morning we get to rest in what the cross means for us, that you can, we can rest in what the cross has done. God, that you came and you died the death that we deserve. And you gave us your righteousness. You gave us the perfection. So Father, we thank you for that. And we pray that we wouldn't just become so familiar with this story that we overlook what you've done. God, make it new for us again. God, make it new where we don't ever get past it. Because God, we, no matter how mature we get as believers and followers of Jesus, we don't ever move beyond the cross. So God, remind us of that today. And we pray these things in the name that's above every name, on heaven and on earth and below the earth. That name is Jesus. Amen. So we're about to move into a time of communion. So if you're serving communion, if you'll go ahead and come and grab your elements and go to your station. But communion is the celebration of of what Jesus instituted on the last night before he died. He and the disciples were celebrating the Passover where they're remembering where God delivered the Israelites from death in Exodus. And Jesus breaks bread and passes it around. And he says, this is my body broken for you, for telling that he's gonna die on the cross. 
And then he passes the cup of wine, which for us this morning will be juice. And he says, this is my blood spilled for you. And he is telling the disciples, it's by my blood, it's by my body's death that pays the penalty for your sin, that that deals with our sin and so that you can have life. And so that, that's what communion is. And so this morning, like we, it, communion is for all believers, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus. And we, here in a second, when I invite you to come, like our servers, they're gonna hand you a piece of bread and say, this is my body, this is Christ's body broken for you. I mean, they're gonna hand you a cup with juice and say, this is Christ's blood spilled for you so that you would remember what God has done that Jesus tells his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. And so this morning we've talked about what Jesus did on the cross. We've talked about his death for us. And this is just us doing a physical thing to remind ourselves of what he's done. And the Bible also says that if you don't follow Jesus, then then not to take of this. And so if, if that's you, that's okay. But we would just invite you to just ponder who Jesus is and and to question whether you would want to follow him. But for those who do have faith in Jesus and do follow him, man, come take the elements. You can go to any station and remember what Jesus has done on our behalf. So we can go ahead and, and move after you have taken a second and are ready.